Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Today we feature an interview with Frederick Weidman, the composer who did the music for, for Batman and Son, um, or indeed I think it was Son of Batman, which um, came out a couple of months ago on DVD. Um, he also did the uh, music to the Green Lantern series and, and the Justice League movie last year. He's done countless movies and you know, we're, just, we're just pleased as punch to have him back on the show again. Uh, but before we get get to that, let's have some news. And now, here is your weekly news. So, Risa, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. And me, me too, me too. We've got um, got a few few interesting news bits today. Um, would you like to start? Because I think you've got some Arrow news or, or some Marvel and some Marvel news as well. So yes, I've got some some Flash news. I just sent you this. The Flash has cast Robbie Amell. R- Robbie Amell, um, Stephen Amell's cousin, who was late of the, the CW's Tomorrow People, at, for a role in the Flash spinoff. He's going to play. Let's see here. He's going to play Ronnie Raymond, the fiancé of Star Labs scientist Caitlin Snow, and he's going to be Firestorm, mm-hmm. or some some version of DC's Firestorm anyway. Which is interesting because Caitlin Snow is apparently going to be some version of Killer Frost. So it's going to be Firestorm and Killer Frost. Mm-hmm. What's especially interesting is that in the in the one episode that we've seen Caitlin Snow in. Uh, she talked about how her fiancé was dead, so that's apparently not going to be true. And they're going to... He was apparently killed in the in the accident, and uh, that's apparently not going to be true, and he apparently was just sort of transformed into Firestorm. Um, apparently that happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just teasing you there. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, yeah. Um, talk, talk about the Flash. Um, are you aware that about... Probably about two weeks ago, uh, the pilot got leaked. I was not aware. Mm, well, it's um, it it got out. It's, it was out there on um, it's been out there on the torrent site. So I don't know if they've done the clean up and and stopped it from getting out there, but it did did get out there. Ah, okay. If, it, if that's the case, I missed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, it was so like it was um, it was it was a very um, I I caught news of it via digital spy. It was a very 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 small piece that they did, and thought well, it's not really worth reporting because we don't want to mm. sort of like uh, encourage the contagious spread of the flash. Get it out there, but yeah. you know you know how yeah. fast these things spread. Yes. Um, being a kissing point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to be. I'm, yeah, there I am. I'm trying to be funny again. 
Yeah. I need to stop doing that. <laughs> um, I've got, you know, I heard a, a disturbing rumour um, that uh, they're looking to cast Mark Wahlberg in um, a movie reboot of the uh, Six Million Dollar Man. So they're looking to, ca- they're looking to cast Mark Wahlberg um, as Steve Austin. I mean, Which to is- be honest, it is kind of good casting because Mark Wahlberg is a man barely alive. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I just know I'm going to get, get I'm going to get boos and hisses from Mark Wahlberg's fan base there. But um, what's, inter- what's interesting is if, if they're looking for a contemporary actor, it's the sort of role that one of the ML cousins would logically end up with. Um, but they they're not available, and I think Mark Wahlberg is not a good choice. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it seems to me that they go to Mark Wahlberg for everything. I mean, they they went they went to him for Uncharted, and in, in which which never which never actually happened. And you know, they they seem to go for him for pretty much everything. And it's all, you know another one that they go to. Who's a, a favourite go-to guy of theirs is Samuel L. Jackson, who 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 more often than not actually says, "Yeah, I'll do it," and he ends up in everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The difference there is he's actually good, so it's okay. Oh, um, oh yeah. God, I thought, thought I was bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, personally, I I think um, I I don't really want to see uh, any of the Amel uh, cousins do 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 uh, Steve Austin. I think it should go to sort of like more of a more more of an everyman actor. What they should do is they should just cast an an unknown. Exactly, you know, cast an unknown, but cast, don't don't cast someone who's muscle bound and and everything like. You know, just cast someone that just doesn't look obvious for yeah. it, you know, yeah. and mm-hmm. and build on that. And 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 um, if they to do that, it, it could end up being a hit or it could end up being the worst flop ever. But you know, it's sort of like um, what's worse, it ended up being a flop where they've cast a relatively unknown and not not had to pay him too much. Or it's a relative flop at having cast a Mark Wahlberg who's uh, gonna, gonna sort of like uh, um, ask them for X amount of million. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, uh, it just seem you know it seems to me that it's the ideal part to go for you know to go with an unknown for because let, let's face it when Lee Majors did it the only thing he was known for was a big valley. Yeah. And, and that was it and I think he was in some lawyer show which kind of like uh, was here today gone tomorrow something I mm-hmm. can't remember but yeah. um, you know and you know it's, it's just um, I, I'm, I'm just a bit iffy about that casting to be honest um, so you've got some Marvel news as well actually no I've got some, some, some Arrow news about the main show uh, for those who haven't heard uh, Brandon Routh of Superman Returns fame has been cast as Ray Palmer the Adam da 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 Yes. Yeah. He's going to apparently in season three be the new owner of Queen Consolidated since since our dear Arrow is uh, corporately challenged and basically handed the company to his nemesis on a cocktail napkin, no less. The Adam, uh, Ray Palmer, is going to come in and uh, pick up the pieces, and that's going to be season three with him uh, using their, the uh, Queen Consolidated uh, Applied Sciences Division for various things, including one would assume the experiments that turn him into the Atom. Assuming he's not already the Atom. Cool. So, so that should be cool. 
you know, it'd be, be interesting to see uh, Brendan Ralph um, have have another superhero role as well. You know, have, have, you know, after him having played Superman, and and to be honest, um, you know, although I didn't, although I didn't think much of him in, in Superman, mm-hmm. um, he had a bit more charisma about him than uh, than, than than the guy that we've got now, um, Cavill. Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. Yes. And th- there I go snugging down another actor. But, Which is really really sad because I've seen Henry Cavill in other things, and he's got range. He just wasn't allowed to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a separate conversation. But this this uh, this should be very interesting. This will be my introduction to Brandon Routh because I never actually saw Superman Returns. I skipped it all together. <laughs> Tell you what you should do if you can get it on a if you can get it on iTunes. Uh, Brandon Routh uh, plays um, quite quite a big role in Chuck. I think he enters into it so like part way through the second season, mm, and okay. he plays a really, really interesting role there. You know, so mm. like uh, there's a lot of twists and turns concerning his character in Chuck, and it's really worth watch- watching. For, for you know, if for any other reason, it actually proves that the guy can actually you know can actually play a pretty decent role in something when when well, he's given the material. Really impressed me. Mm-hmm. Um, very quickly, just as an addendum to um, one of last week's news items, there have been further castings for Once Upon a Time. Um, Georgina Haig of Fringe fame is playing Elsa, the ice, uh, the Snow Queen. Uh-huh. And um, they just announced uh, recently a um, lost, one of the lost alumni. Elizabeth Mitchell. Elizabeth Mitchell, yes. And we don't know who she's playing. She's apparently going to be the villain, since Elsa, the, the uh, uh, Snow Queen, is not the villain. Well, I think um, I think it's probably a good move that the Snow Queen is not the villain, given that she wasn't she wasn't really the villain in Frozen. No, and that's that's specifically the point. They, um, they're from what I gather, they're going to do a the storyline that they do for Once Upon a Time is going to be a follow up to the movie because they don't want to actually interfere with the movie itself on account of it's so popular. So they're going to set what they do after the events of the film. That, that sounds like it could be a uh, could be pretty interesting to to, to watch um, if if you're into some like that sort of like fairy tale stuff, which I, I'm yeah. not. Did I actually tell you uh, my twelve year old niece? Forced me to watch Frozen at gunpoint the other weekend. No, you didn't. She did. I'm I'm still tra- I'm still traumatized by it. It's not the best Disney princess movie, um, and that's coming from that's coming from a fan of the brand. Um, it's not the best Disney princess movie by a long shot. Um, both Brave and Princess and the Frog are better in terms of the more contemporary stuff. Um, I personally find Frozen overrated. It, the script is not nearly as good as people think it is, and it's only got that one good song. Mm, I guess. And, I guess so. In other news, um, I think you wanted to talk about J.K. Rowling a little bit and this new Harry Potter story she's posted. Yeah, she she. There is a site for those who don't know called Pottermore, where the uh, J.K. Rowling posts supplemental material to the books for the fans. It's free to sign up. Um, but you have to sign up for it to see the supplemental, the supplemental material. And she wrote a short story as a sort of addendum to the final book, sort of an, an additional epilogue, because there was an epilogue to the seventh book. This additional epilogue is in the form of a um, gossip column by Rita Skeeter, 
and it's really quite wonderful. It's actually better written than her original epilogue, I think. It's, uh, it's very funny, and it's done uh, in the voice of the gossip columnist Rita Skeeter, and you learn uh, some very interesting things about the main characters. They're, they're in their 30s now, and uh, you, you learn what's happening with Harry and Ron and Hermione. Uh, Hermione is the deputy of, uh, magic, of the Department of Magical Law Enforcement, uh, Harry is still a roar. Uh, he's apparently got a scar on his cheek as well as on his forehead now from some unspecified fracas. And uh, Ron is working uh, with his brother George at the uh, joke shop that uh, George started, uh, Weasley's w- Wizarding Weezes. The, uh... <laughs> yes, yes. So... It's, it's, qu- it's quite a lovely piece. So, so basically, uh, Ron's kind of wound up um, in in kind of a snacker's job. Yes, but he's doing very well at it. Uh, yeah, I can, I can imagine so. <laughs> it's, it's just so like uh, based on what I see in the movies. That's kind of like where where he thought Ron where Ron would probably end up. Yes, he was always yeah. kind of like ring up ring up to, to get involved in all the heroics. Yeah, yeah, you know. But you know, likable nonetheless. Yes. Yeah, sounds like a sounds like a pretty cool um, cool, cool addendum to to the books. I mean, I've never actually read the books because it's not really my thing. Yeah. Harry Potter or anything like that. I prefer Lord of the Rings, where it's just a lot of walking. <laughs> you know, it's not a walking. Oh, we meet a troll. More walking. We meet some elves. Even more walking. Oh, we find a ring. There's some of that in the in the later books, um, in in books in book seven. Uh, there's some of that going on. Mm. Um, but it's, it's a long story, but it's 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 worth the read if you have the time. But it's, it, she does a lot of really cool world building, and one of the things I like about Pottermore is one of the reasons I liked Harry Potter in the first place wasn't so much for the main narrative, which is enjoyable for the most part. But I also just really just like the world building stuff, mm-hmm. and I like the, the details that she puts into the characters. And, I, and the thing about Pottermore is it just kind of gives you the world building stuff, the details, the bi- biographical information that she didn't have time for in the books and things like that. It's really quite lovely. Okay, well, um, do you have anything else? Uh, no, that was it. M- me either this week. Um, it's, I'm just making a short news week this week. Um, thanks for thanks for coming on the show, and um, you know, as, as as always, you come up with some great news items there. You're, you're welcome. I enjoyed it. Me too. Interview. You know, I'd like to welcome uh, my good friend. Frederick Weidman back onto the uh, show. Uh, Frederick has uh, been, you know, been doing a lot of composing lately for uh, DC and uh, Warner Brothers for their animated movies, and you, you've also done a lot of horror and a lot of other work as well. So it's great to have you back on. Yeah, well, thanks for having me again. Oh, you're welcome. I, I always enjoy talking to you, and um, and you know, just generally talking about music stuff as well. It's just, um, it's just great to have you on. Um, I mean, you've you've actually you've actually struck a game in in the DC verse. 
Um, yeah, it seems like they like what I do. It's uh, it's been a reoccurring job, and it's you know I'm having the time of my life with this material, like, like to say the least. Mm-hmm. Well, your your latest uh, work with DC is a uh, Son of Batman, which um, I've actually seen this time round because I've interviewed you in the past, and, and um, it's usually been before I've actually had a chance to sit down and actually watch the cartoons because of not being out here at that particular point of time. Right. But I've, I actually got to see sort of Batman before speaking to you this time, so that's like a, like a little bit of a victory. Very good. How did you like it? I, I really enjoyed it. I um, mean, you know, it, it was it was pretty dark. Yeah. Um, in 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 another sense, which um, you know, I should imagine um, that you know your, your background in horror films uh, pro- probably helped you out there, especially in, <laughs> in, in the scene at the beginning where 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 we see. Um, where we see Raisal Gu uh, murdered before before his before Damien's eyes. Yeah, it was there was a lot of very tragic things in this. I mean, the, especially the beginning. Um, you know, this is the, f- the first time I at least had the chance to score Raisal Gu as a sympathetic character, in a way. Although he's really a Batman villain, but he's he's very dear to Damien, who we also start to care about pretty soon early in the movie. So this was a very different thing. Uh, Ra's al Ghul was also part of the um, TV animated series Beware the Batman that we just wrapped up yeah. and it was a very different character to say the least he was a very evil conspiracy, conspiracy and, and you know the, the biggest villain of the whole season was basically him um, a criminal mastermind and it was musically a very different approach to Son of Batman where he was really was really about the son's this kid's grandfather dying in front of him as opposed to Batman's villain dying mm-hmm. I think also tonally, uh, Beware Batman was was much 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 darker and edgier than than than, than Son of Batman. Although Son of Batman was kind of like dark, it had a lot of tragedy in it. I, I think Beware was a little bit more edgier because you, you yes. also you also had the, you, you had Katana in that as well, and uh, and yeah. Alfred was at, was was actually at semi five or something in that, which I thought was pretty cool. Yes, yes, Alfred was very interesting. The design of and the character design of him. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting show. You know, I, f- I think exploring not so known Batman villains for once was a really fresh idea because you know you get to see all these usual suspects and all these reinstallments of Batman movies and, and shows, and you know it was kind of nice that there was no Joker. I, it just gives you a different look at Gotham because there's some really interesting villains that have emerged out of the comic books over the past couple decades that I think deserve some attention. Mm-hmm. Another thing I liked about you know Beware Batman, I liked that opening opening. In a sequence with with the music, um, you know, as it gets to the end, uh, where, where we're saying the, the, the sing beware, the, beware the Batman at the end, but it's, um, it's kind of like cut off a little bit. Oh, is there? There's a. There should be a song there. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a song I'm talking about. It's see, it, it's cut it, off. It, 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 it's not cut off. It kind of fades out a little bit. Oh, I see. At, at well, the end, and I like that. It's it on the version of... you look at. You know, there's some there's some versions online that you can download that don't even have the end credits, and some have short end credits, and some have the full length. I think it depends on where you where you view it. Mm. What there should be is a 30 second version of the theme song. Yeah, that that's the one I think I've got. Um, it's yeah. um, I I I I've actually just recently uh, watched Beware Beware the Batman on on um, on Amazon here in the UK because it's part oh, of the Amazon cool. Video Service. And, nice. Um, 
I've, I watched all episodes of it um, over, Excellent. O- over a few Thank nights, <laughs> and I, I want more. And and, and and now he said it's just wrapped, which tells me he's kind of answered one of my questions right there. There's not well, be actually, I you know, I, nothing's been nothing's been officially announced as to what's going to happen with this. What I mean by wrapped is we wrapped the first season. Yeah. The first twenty six episodes are wrapped up, and well, that, what what we're we're, in, we're not cancelled. I mean, there hasn't been any news about that, so. I don't know what's going to happen with this show. We'll all have to just wait and see, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first season is now complete, the first 26 episodes. Do you have 26 episodes available on Amazon in the UK? Yeah, I watched them all. All 26, good. Yeah, so that's, those are the ones that are done. And, you know, we'll see what happens next. If they want to do another one or not, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I would love to do more, too, because I think it's a really cool show. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's also interesting because I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's been going on of night in, in television, but they're actually doing a TV series called Gotham this year. Oh, yeah? Um, and it's right on Fox, right? On yeah, Fox, I saw yeah. That. And in this TV series, they, they must be borrowing from Beware of a Batman because um, in, in that TV series, um, Alfred is also, you know, at Special Forces or something. Oh, really? Interesting. And he's going to be played by Sean Pertwee. So, you know, but that, that's going to be an interesting, uh, you know, thing, thing to watch because it's it's kind of got an, got an edgy sort of feel to it. And it's um, it's basically when Bruce Wayne was, was, was a child. And, yeah, I know. You know I think that's a really cool idea to do a pre-Batman Gotham show. I think that's that's really... It's a, I, I'm just interested by the concept and what they come up with. Yes. Yeah, so, so I've oh. actually seen the train for it. It looks, it looks oh. fantastic. Looks good, yeah. I saw that too. The little sizzle reel. Um, and it's centered around, around Gordon more than anything, right? I believe. Yeah, yeah. And, that, that, and, and Gordon is, is, is quite a central figure to, you know, to, to the whole of Batman ring. And, yeah. um, you know... Often, often it's been the case where he's he's so like um, be, being un, underserved in 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 the story. I think. Um, um, I mean, a, a, a good animated film to check check out if you ever get chances. A uh, Batman Year One, which is completely centered on 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 on, on Commissioner God. Yeah, I have not seen that one yet. I should check that out. That's that, that's that's a really good one. Oh yeah, I mean, so like, um, I really enjoyed the uh, the work you you did on on Son of Batman and and, and the different musical beats. Um, you know, fa- you. a favorite moment of mine in 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 that was the um, what was his his meeting with um, oh god, what's the name? What's the name of the character now? You know, the old Robin. Oh, um, Nightwing. Nightwing, yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought I was I thought I was really funny and really well scored. Because, oh, thank you. Right, you, that's when he when he basically barely barely gets Damien contained. <laughs> yeah, because you have the I know. Uh, you, that you, was funny. You have the old song like uh, you know the, the musical music to the fight sequence, and then it goes a little bit more whimsical towards the end. <laughs> yeah, when he hangs on the like tied up with the rope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just thought that was really that's really good. The show, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Um, and while, while back, you, you've actually said in the past that before you started do, doing the music for DC animated films, you, you were feeling a little bit stuck in, in the horror genre. Um, with, with that in mind, are there any other genres of film and television that you'd maybe like to have a stab at, say space opera, for example, or a fantasy epic like Lord of the Rings? Yeah, well, you know what's funny is obviously the horror that being stuck in the horror genre has has clearly ended for me, which which is great. I still do horror movies because I have some really talented director friends that, that do a lot of movies in that in those genres, and and it's become more of a one or once or twice a year type of thing, which is great because then I can really enjoy it, you know, because it's not the only thing I do. 
Um, like just recently, I did a film for my friend Victor Garcia called Gallows Hill, which is releasing this summer by IC, ICF, I think. Um, and um, yeah, so it's it's funny. Like there was an interview, I think two or three years ago, when I was working on Green Lantern, the animated series, that the interviewer asked me what I would like to work on next, and I said I would love to do a Batman movie or a Batman material for once. And then, sure enough, a few months later, I was working on the Bat Beware the Batman, the, the TV show, and now Son of Batman. So that little dream has come true. <laughs> I think I actually uh, remember that interview. It was me. <laughs> You know, I don't know. It was like three years ago. It may have been you. It's very possible. But it's, it's funny. And and then a year ago, I told someone in an interview that I would love to do like a big period drama, thematic, you know, kind of a James Horner kind of score. And then I got to do this movie called Field of Lost Shoes, directed by Sean McNamara, which is a beautiful American Civil War drama about the about the, the cadets of the VMI. It was a story about these young these young kids going to war, and I, I was able to do exactly the score that I've always wanted to write: this big thematic, sweeping James Horner meets Jerry Goldsmith meets James Newton Howard kind of thing. Very orchestral. We had real choir recorded and everything it was just an absolute fantastic experience and so now you know it's it's funny like there's I, I, every time i go to the movies i find movies oh i want to do a movie like this oh i want to mm-hmm. do a movie like this and it's it seems like so far i've been very very lucky to do things in all sorts of genres all across the board and i've enjoyed every single job you know even if it was challenging or not it was always a really terrific experience and i grow musically so much on every little um, job because it's always something a little bit new about it that I have to figure out. Like the other day I was watching Divergent and I thought, wow, I would really like to do like a big electronic, um, like pop-ish, like pop music kind of score, like Junkie XL did for, for that film. And then I, then I watched uh, 300, the latest movie, and I thought I would love to do like an ethnic, you know, ancient Greek type of score, action score. And <laughs> it just keeps kind of going around like this and... I figured I just have to kind of keep doing what I'm doing. And so far, just very interesting things have happened. So right now, I don't have anything where I say I really want to do this one day. Um, It's really, I'm really open to anything. And I I enjoy every little thing I do. And if it's horror, if it's dramatic, if it's a comedy, if it's superhero, I love it all. And I always try to make it as special as I can. And so 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 that I have fun myself on all of these projects. Um, with, with you growing up in Germany, I should imagine that your your your, your experience of of, um, of of TV and entertainment was probably similar to what 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 what, what it was here for me in the UK. Where, whereas a lot of the American superhero stuff, it was kind of popular, but not not as much a part of of the culture as say it is in the USA. It's not not as ingrained. Um, so to that end, is there actually any animated characters from your childhood that, that are not superheroes that, that you'd actually love to do the music for? Yeah, well, let me think about that for a second. You know, the things the, the, the things that I came across as a child watching in Germany um, was Pinky and the Brain, Bugs Bunny, cartoons, um, not that much Mickey Mouse, really, barely any Mickey Mouse, to be honest. I saw, you know, what was that show with Coyote and Roadrunner? Is it called Roadrunner? I don't really yeah, know. Yeah, it's called Roadrunner. Roadrunner. Yeah, that was. I loved that show. I don't know why, but I, I thought that was really funny. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, The Simpsons. I've mm-hmm. enjoyed, you know, ever since they emerged. It was just. It's been. I've been a Simpsons fan forever. I think. Um, you know, that's. They're all. It, it's different. Like these old cartoons, like Roadrunner and Bugs Bunny and Pinky and the Brain. They, they don't really make them like this anymore because they're very old school. Very, very um, cartoonish music. You know, the, like if you say cartoon music, the, the cliche music you think of, that's what they've been using back then. And they don't really make that kind of stuff anymore. 
Um, so I don't really, I don't really uh, desire to do anything like that. The Simpsons, of course, would be a fun thing to be part of because I just love the show so much, and and the mu- the music is is fairly minimal if you think about it. It's more treated like a sitcom. Like there's just kind of transitional pieces from one scene to the other. There's very little underscore. Well, what about something, you know, perhaps like Asterix for Gore? Oh, yeah, Asterix and Obelix. Yeah, you know, some, something yeah, like that. Oh would my God, do I, something I, like I that. never forgot about that. That and Lucky Luke, you know Lucky Luke? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know Lucky Luke, but we, we used to get Asterix over here. and uh... Yes, that would be great. See, I love, that. I love those cartoons too. And, and, yeah, and absolutely right. That's, that's actually, I, the comic books too, I've, I think I've read them all. And Lucky Luke is also a French comic about a cowboy with a talking horse. That's mm-hmm. uh, the other comic I loved. Oh. Or even, or even Tintin, which uh, we had oh, filmed yes. a couple of years ago. But you know, we used to get Tintin over here. It's usually during the summer holidays. We get Asterix and we get Tintin. Absolutely, and yeah. Then, that's then, absolutely right. That was one of my other ones too, Tintin. I think I read those all too with the two, yeah. the two cops with, with the black hats. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a fun one to be part of for sure. Um, you know, so I, I remember those, and we, we also used to have a, a cartoon series here in the UK. I don't know if it actually made it out to Germany, but it was sort of like it came out in the eighties, called Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse. I don't think I've, I know that one. Yeah, it's, it's about, about a secret agent. He's a mouse. He lives he lives under underneath a, a post box in in London, and uh-huh. he's, in, and he's got a, his his sidekicks kind of like a gerbil called Penfold, and they. They they went out fighting fighting crime on secret missions against the um, the bullfrog uh, villain called Baron Greengrass. Uh, okay. Oh, ba- Baron Greenback. Sorry. And you know it's it's, it's not so funny. It's kind of like um, tipping its hat hat to James Bond and things like Man from Uncle. On only with the you know the, the characters raw animals and uh, and uh, Count Duckinger was actually born out of that as well. Oh really? I don't yeah. I don't I don't think I've heard about that one. Maybe it had a different name in Germany that I would recognize, but under that name, it doesn't ring a bell. It, it might, 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 but might just add, but you know, I just thought, um, I just thought I'd ask you about some some of these other cartoons that you know grew up. Yes, have you been, you know, from from Europe, and you probably have, you know, you probably had similar experiences to me in terms of what what was what was available to you. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't think I came across Batman or any of the DC characters, actually. Um, I didn't, I gotta say, though, I did not watch a lot of TV when I was a kid. I was, this was, you know, when I was young, TV was uh, a little different. Um, I was, I think I, I preferred playing outside with friends. <laughs> but there was a few things that I watched, but I, again, I don't think it was anything that was DC related. I remember there was um, something called He-Man. That was oh, He Man, yeah, that was based yeah. on the uh, toy line by Mattel. I have the power! Exactly, <laughs> Mattel, that stuff. Yeah. That was pretty popular back then, too, especially the action figures. Yeah, and, you know, I actually seen the He Man Christmas special a few years back, oh, and, gosh. and I was cringing. I just thought, oh, yeah. this is just <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> And, and and they they had Shira as well, which was a spin off of that. Oh God, I don't remember that one. Um, I'm I'm trying to forget that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, in in films in general, I've noticed the trend in in recent years. Um, when when it comes to uh, you know, people doing the musical scores for films. Um, where where they actually have more than one composer. Um, do, do, doing the music for films, um, in, and in in what what's more of a collaborative process, 
Uh, do you think this is actually the way forward for musically scoring big films? And, and is it something that you, you, you've ever done or would like to do? You mean collaborating with another person on a score? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, a, you know, I'm completely open to that. What I, some people do it out of, ne- out of necessity because of time. You know, sometimes you're given not enough time to do a full score and then you need someone to help you and you kind of find someone you're on the same page with. And I have done that before with um, several people. There was one movie I scored together with John Frizzell that was called Beneath for MTV Films and Paramount Classics. That was back in 2007. And I've done some work together with some German composers on some German TV TV uh, films and, and shows. And it's, it's, it's a really fun process. If it's people that you like and that you feel like you can work together creatively, also on a personal level, it's a, it can be a really fun and refreshing thing to do um, because you you kind of feed off each other's ideas and you you see oh I wouldn't have treated this scene this way but it's kind of interesting maybe I should then do my next scene differently because he's been doing it this way you know so you kind of get inspired differently than working with just a director because now you have the second uh, set of ears on the project that you know music such a subjective thing anyway it's amazing it always amazes me that that sometimes I come up with a cue and then the, the client likes it and I'm like thinking wow this could have gone so many different ways but I guess this approach worked and if you have two people doing that you just come up with all these different new ideas which is really interesting what really interests me is working possibly with, with somebody who's not necessarily coming from a film music background I would love to to, to, to find someone who's um, you know who's a like a very good electronic music person or something like this and then take those two together and figure out a way to, to do something interesting like like they did for um, for the movie Tron you know when they use Daft Punk and, a, and some film music composers to help get it together but I think that would be an interesting collaboration that I would love to pursue like take somebody who's not from the field but who does really good, good music and then see what comes out of that collaboration like what interesting things that, that I would never come up with musically but you know that we can make work dramatically and create something kind of fresh um, I would love to do that. Cool. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the reason I asked that question is because we, you know, the, 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 I've, no, I've, I've just noticed, um, no, noticed the trend of mate where, the, where, where, where there is quite a lot of it happening. And it happened in that, I can't remember the name of the film. It was a, that big Tom Hanks film that came out last year. Cloud Atlas? Cloud Atlas, yeah. And um, yeah. I actually spoke to Reinhold, I think it was Reinhold Heal, um, yes. about, 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 about his work on that. Uh-huh. And um, and he, he said that he he, he, he he was literally working with about three different people on the score for that film, and they weren't always on like in the same room or you know or working directly together. There was a lot of back and forth between them all. And but he says it's actually um, he he seems to think it's actually the way forward. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, you know, that's it's. I always wonder like how I ended up where I ended up with the score. And if you have another person in there, it's it's just. It's just, it just gives you very different viewpoints on things. And you have somebody, you know, equally minded to discuss certain things. And it's just, I, the, every time I've been doing it, it's been a, it's been a, a whole lot of fun and very creative. Um, getting back to your Batman word, there's, a, there's actually a good mix of dark and comedic moments in, in, in Son of Batman. I'm just wondering, is there a particular moment from that film that you really enjoyed doing the music for? Um, there is, let me think. Yeah, you know what? There's a very small moment that I, I really loved, which is kind of brief. I think it's a 15 second piece, <laughs> but it's the moment where, um, Talia is being, is, when Batman t- carries Talia into the Lazarus pit and she slowly comes back to life. 
Uh-huh. There's a short section. It's a, it's a slow motion bit where she like emerges out of the green water and it's like splashing around her and she's kind of looking up and her hair is flowing and that was a really really beautiful um, animated scene. I thought that really inspired me and then I wrote a little piece for that and I I, I thought that came out great. <laughs> it's a really small moment, but I remember feeling wow, this is really cool. I wish this were a little longer. <laughs> actually, actually, when you mention when, when you just mentioned that, I actually just you know brought that moment back in my mind because I, I only watched Son of Batman about probably about two maybe three weeks ago. So it's yeah. still relatively fresh in my mind. And I actually do remember that bit. I remember watching and thinking, this is gorgeous. Yeah, it was really beautiful. They did an amazing job, I think, with the green and, and the angles and the slow motion. And it was just very dramatic. I thought it was really cool. Did, did you actually, um, you know, obviously you get bits of the script or bits of the film uh, to score a little bit at a time when you, when you, when you, do, when, when you do these animated films. Um, I'm just wondering, have you ever have you ever been tempted to, or, or actually gone out and, and got the comic that that, that 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 these films are actually adapted from? Yeah, you know, late, the only time I have not done it was with Flashpoint Paradox, and the, only because there there were um, there was just no time there. I had to kind of there were there were so the, they they didn't give me as much time on this one than on the others, so I kind of just had to sit down and start writing. But on Son of Batman and um, some that I am working on now that I can't talk about yet. I I was given the source material way out of time, and I could really absorb it and get into the story and the characters. And and as you know, the the source material is usually way longer and a lot more detailed, and deviates quite a bit from the movie mm-hmm. uh, because they have to obviously make compromises when they're trying to make, put it in a eighty five minute piece of film. But it's been really helpful just to kind of have an idea of where things are going. Because what happens is I get I I get only one act at a time to work on, and an act is about fifteen to twenty minutes long, and they start usually in the beginning, and then they feed. Me an act, one act a week, and I kind of you know score the first one in, in, in one week, and then so forth. And it's I just I don't I never quite see the full picture until the very end. Mm-hmm. So having having read the comics is really helpful because I kind of know the arch of the story. I know where the characters are developing to, and it really helps me shape the music accordingly. Um, if I wouldn't have that guideline, it's it would be very difficult, and I would probably be second guessing myself quite a bit. Yeah. So you know, it's just something I've always always one one wanted to one wanted to know. So I know that you get, I know that you never get the complete film to score. You get so like it kind of like an act at a time or something. I've been saying, how long does the process usually take? It's a six week process. I think that's a fair amount of time. You know, about four to five weeks of composing and getting everything approved by everyone, and that's you know seventy four minutes of music, and then a week of recording an orchestra if the if there's a budget like in the Son of Bep- and we recorded 30, a 30 piece orchestra and you know then there's a couple of days of mixing and that's that, that and that's it within like six weeks the whole thing is pretty much done mm-hmm. scored re- recorded approved and mixed into the movie yeah i mean it's just something like it's it's kind of like a fascinating for me as an outsider because i only really ever see you know in, in dvd extras occasionally you'll get you'll get a piece where the uh, where the composer's talking about the process and and and, and such but you, you know, being on the outside, you don't really have as much of an appreciation for it, you know, unless you, unless you've actually, you know, I guess what I'm saying is, I'd kind of, I'd kind of be curious to actually go through it myself somehow, the, the whole process, if, if it was actually good enough. Yeah, it. yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a really interesting process, and a lot of people don't know what goes into it, and I have to, you know, I was guilty of that too, when I was, when I was a teenager. It took me a while to realize that this is a profession and there's a person sitting there writing this music for the movie specifically. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very interesting process that I think more people should know about. And I try very hard to, I always make little making of videos and put them on YouTube. Um, I have one up there for Justice League, the Flashman Paradox, where you can see the orchestra, the conductor, and the crew in the booth, and you see some soloist musicians. So it kind of gives you a little bit of an insight of what, what happened to make this music the way it is. Um, and we're going to do something for Son of Batman 2 of that fashion, where we have a little bit of scoring session footage and possibly an interview and things like that. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, when I have the chance, I try to do that just to kind of give people a look like, look, we recorded an orchestra. We had a big team of people working on this score, and that's why it sounds like the, sounds the way it does. Yeah, I'm going to have to look for your YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, I have to send that to you. I mean, there's only one video right now. I'm waiting on approval for the Son of Batman one, which should be up by next week. And then there'll be many more coming up. I have a bunch in, in, in the pipeline that I need to finish up and get approved by the studio, etc. That process always takes a while. Because I, I, I do watch uh, Bear McCreary's channel every now and again. Yeah, there you um, go. This is exactly... I mean, he does a very good job of documenting his process. I watch his channel too. I think it's really interesting. Yeah. He did a really funny. He did a really funny video a while back. Um, it's called like um, he did it kind of like a day in the life. <laughs> yes, I saw that. It was about the Agents of Shield, right? Where he basically says, "Yeah, I saw that." He was basically being very sar- sarcastic about the process. <laughs> I, thought, I just thought that was really funny. Um, is as well. Um, ju- you know, judging by some of the IMDb credits, so this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Is and you know, you're doing lots of different things. But I noticed that you know, a couple of projects that you've just finished up uh, that are due out later this year, um, and these caught my eye was was Lucky Duck, which sounds like a rather cute animated film. It's exactly what it is. It's um, a movie for. It's the first feature film for the the TV channel Disney Junior. Um, I believe there is a there is a Disney Junior channel in the UK as well. They have them all over the world, mm-hmm. and they have been focusing on episodical material since since I think they came on the market. And this is their first attempt at a feature film, and it's it's only a one hour movie, so it's it's for very young children. But it's a really cute story about a, a bathtub duck, um, and she, you know this duck is going on a on a very crazy journey on the ocean with some bathtub toy friends and it's a really fun beautiful story i have a three-year-old son myself and he he watched it here in my studio and he he was totally totally absorbed by it so it was definitely working and i think it's coming on the air in sometime in june as far as i was told but yeah it's definitely it's a very beautiful story that that disney has created there well you know i'm gonna have to channel my inner three-year-old and give that a look <laughs> Yeah, it's very cute. It's very cute. I mean, it's it's geared towards very young children, but I, we try to make it um, a very cinematic experience so that when parents are watching it with the kids, that they don't get bored. <laughs> and and in contrast to that, you uh, you have something on on the complete opposite end of the scale in Jarhead Two. Yes, Jarhead Two is. Uh, yeah, we just finished that up, actually. That's, that was my first job for Universal. And, you know, it's a cool movie, I gotta say. I mean, I see people bashing it online, like, oh my god, I can't believe they made a sequel to this, and why why, why bother? But it's actually a really cool standalone movie that is really not related to the first Jarhead. There's no returning character. The storyline does not continue. It's just an, an original story about another couple of Jarheads in the war. Yeah, I, I, and, only, I yeah. only vaguely remember the first movie. Was, was, was the first movie Jamie Foxx? Jamie Foxx and Jake Gyllenhaal. That's the one, yeah. I, I, I only vaguely remember it. Uh, I remember it being advertised and coming out, but I don't think I've actually seen it. It was an interesting film because it was really an anti-war film, not a war film, because it's 
it was all about the boredom of these jarheads and how nothing is happening, how they're hanging out in the desert, getting one mission after another, and just they, nothing is happening. And they all get to the point where they go a little bit crazy because they want to shoot their gun. That's the story of the original Jarhead. So it's a very cynical look at the war. It is not It is not at all from like a war movie like Platoon or anything like this. Jarhead 2, on the other hand, is different. That's That really is more of a straightforward war story. Um, a rescue mission, so to speak. And, but it's really, it's a really good movie. It's very, it's very intense. It's, it feels very authentic. Um, the music is very authentic too. We used a lot of Middle Eastern instruments and I've worked with, with some really terrific artists to get it, to get it to sound this way. And I had to go do my research and find those people that play these instruments from that region. Um, but I think it's a really neat project. I'm, I'm actually quite proud, proud of it. And I think people will, will like it once they actually get to see it. If, if they can get past their uh, prejudice uh, for the first movie. I, I yeah, guess. I mean, they, 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 it's a different film. It's just a, you know, it's a very different, it's a very different movie. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's, it's just, why not do something different? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's a little bit like the, uh, you know, it's a little bit like the kickbox films back in the day, back in the, um, you know, back, back in the 90s. Van Damme did the first one. And then they did two, three, and four, and it was completely different actors and completely different stories. Right. Yes, that happens all the time. I mean, obviously, there is a you know, if something was successful, they like to do more and see how many more people that like the first one will buy the second one. There's a financial reason for it, I think, as well. But there's no reason why the second or third one has to be really bad. I mean, we saw Godfather Two wasn't a terrible movie, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, obviously, Jarhead Two was done on a much much smaller budget than Jarhead One. So there's there's that you need to take in consideration. But apart from that, I think it's a really fun f- fun movie that I think a lot of people will enjoy. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, pr- I'll probably try and check it out and I'll probably try and check out the first one as well, you know, just, just yeah. for the sake of... Because I've not seen it, so... It's, yeah, the um, first one was I thought was terrific. I mean, Sam Mendes, I think, said, as an unbelievably good, ter- good director, uh, he, he directed the first one. So I, I thought it was a really good movie. Anyway, uh, that, that's that's about uh, that's about all God for you. It's been it's been really great speaking to you again. And, Likewise, you know, thank you for having me. Do, do you have anything else coming up that you might that you might quickly briefly tell us about? Um, well, I mentioned Gallows Hill, the horror film, mm-hmm. um, and Field of Lost Shoes, the American Civil War drama that's going to be in theaters in September. And let me think, what else do I have that's coming out? Um, I now I think that's all I can actually talk about. I, I have a few things that are coming out, but they have not been announced yet, and I'm unauthorized to do so <laughs> before anybody else does. Okay. But we'll maybe talking about this on the next interview. Who knows? Thanks for coming on the show again. It's been been, been great having you on. Great, Ian. Thank you. No props. Hi, my name is Steve Lund, and I play the character of Nick Sorrentino on the new sci-fi and space series Bitten. You are listening to Sci-Fi Pulse Radio.com, taking the pulse of sci-fi. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of SFP Now. Today we feature an interview with Frederick Weidman, the composer who did the music for, for Batman and Son, um, or indeed I think it was Son of Batman, which um, came out a couple of months ago on DVD. Um, he also did the uh, music to the Green Lantern series and, and the Justice League movie last year. He's done countless movies and you know, we're, just, we're just pleased as punch to have him back on the show again. Uh, but before we get 
get to that, let's have some news.